so what happens is they help in the growth of the economy because you are collecting the small savings remember from the people from so many people like i said we have 4.25 uh, crores of subscribers so everybody is saving a bit every month or in a periodical manner and you are collecting it and one must also remember the psychological behavior that the saving for pension generally comes last in the laundry list we think of immediate consumption people like youngsters would think of a phone first rather than investing in a pension fund right so uh, generally you think uh, some somebody in 30s or 40s or 50s would think of their children's education first their loan for uh, the house first right so generally when you're saving for pensions it is an incremental saving that happens so the saving in the economy goes up and it said that 1% increase in the pension assets can even lead to increase of 4 to 5% in the gdp there are some studies which say that so qualitatively and quantitatively the pension funds generally bring about a good change in the economy its growth qualitatively as well as quantitatively the the in fact the development of the pension funds signals the deepening and broadening of financial markets in any country Hi everyone hope you all are keeping well in such times of uncertainty I am Mulya Gupta and I am Radhya Mittal welcome you all to another episode of the bigger picture a podcast where we bring to you everything from current business and economic trends interesting macroeconomic theories to guidance in the field of economics from renowned personalities today we have with us ms sumit kaur kapoor chief general manager pension fund regulatory and development authority government of india and former board member board of directors in the national center for financial education having graduated in economics from hansraj college and pursued mba from the faculty of management studies delhi university ma'am has had over two decades of experience working in the banking pensions and financial services industry we are honored to have you here on this podcast Thank you so much, Aradhya and Amulya. It's really an honor and privilege to be back on a show uh, because I have been in Delhi University with the economics background, so life has come full circle for me in a ways. So thank you so much for having me here. In this episode, we are going to shed light on a rather unconventional subject matter, that is the rising importance of pension funds and their role in economic growth. So starting with the first question ma'am could you just brief our listeners about what pension funds are how do they work and why exactly should one invest in them Yeah sure So uh pension funds I think a lot of people don't know about it but mutual funds a lot of people are aware of them So mutual fund is kind of an investment vehicle in which you pool your savings from different uh, uh you know investors or subscribers the pooling is done and then the professional fund managers then invest those funds into various asset classes now the principle is pretty much same in the pension funds so you again pool the small savings and invest them for better returns now what is the difference then why do we need a separate pension fund and can't do with just you know a mutual fund the essence is different see the mutual fund is basically for medium term so you basically invest there in let's say 3 for 3 years or 5 years pension fund on the other hand is basically to accumulate your corpus over a period of 30 to 40 years the entire period when you have a productive life 
So when you are trying to accumulate in a disciplined manner, in a prudent manner, over a period of time, you get a corpus at the end. And this corpus is invested over the years by professional fund managers. Now, when the uh, length of investment is long, the time period is long, generally the strategies are also different. You know, when you have a longer term period, you have the possibility of recouping it also in case you take a higher risk, let's say. But that does not mean pension funds take a higher risk. But yes, they can invest into, uh, let's say, debt securities which are of longer duration. So uh, the strategies across mutual fund and the pension funds would be different. That's the first major difference. The first difference being the length, then the investment strategies dependent upon the length of the investments. And thirdly, in mutual funds, when it matures, what happens? You get your money back along with the returns. In pension fund, the idea is that you get a sustained income over your non-productive life. So when you retire, what you get is a pension pot in which a part of it goes into meeting your own milestone goals. They could be marriage of your children. They could be education of your children or building a house which you wanted to build. So part of it goes into that lump sum. The other part goes into purchasing an annuity. So you get a regular income over your non-productive life. So this is basically the difference between mutual funds and pension funds. Now, the third part of your question, why should we invest in it? Now, you are young and probably cannot think beyond a few years, right? But every, uh, you know, one third of every baby that is being born in America today is slated to live till the age of 100, you know? So even today, a person who's reaching 60 in India is having a longevity of 18 years. So he's expected to live, he or she is expected to live till 78. Now, till the time you reach your retirement, you would probably live till 90 or 100. So what does that mean? It means you would probably be earning for around 35, 40 years, but you have to live that earnings for another 40 years, let's say. So it's important to take care of that non-productive life. You have to live with dignity in that period of life also. So that is why it is important to invest in pension funds. Thank you, ma'am. That was an interesting answer indeed. And now we know why it is important to invest in pension funds. So now moving on to the second question. Ma'am, the projections by international organizations suggest a 326% increase in the number of people aged between 60 and 80 by the year 2050. So, you know, is the current allocation of pension funds sufficient and what is the whole scenario? Okay. So, I think you've done your research and you very rightly said that we are facing what is called an increasing number of uh, geriatric population. So, what does that mean? We generally talk of young India. Young India means your uh, average age is somewhere around 35 years. So young, bristling with energy and everything, but that will not sustain for long. Over the decades, what happens is the number of old and graying people increase in number and they have to be provided for, you know. So you look at Japan, you look at European countries, they have a case where the dependency ratio is much higher there. What does that mean? That means suppose we have a one-child norm in China. So one child... He marries, he has a spouse, so two people are taking care of two set of parents. So four people dependent upon two people. 
so the dependency ratio increases and then they also have children to take care of so as the population age what we today have is the demographic dividend by means of young population but that demographic dividend is going to dwindle away in a few decades unless we plan for it properly today so that is the whole idea of planning of having a pension sector in the country so today we consider it is probably an unconventional sector but it has to be streamlined in the country now it has to become as popular as the banking sector is there as the insurance is catching up similarly the pension sector also has to catch up and in fact in the developed countries the pension sector constitutes multiple times sometimes of the gdp in case of denmark it is 220% of the gdp the assets so a lot so this is the correct time it's the window of opportunity which india has got where we can you know uh, sensitize the younger population to plan for their old age in a collective manner so that it is not the government who is burdened later who naturally has to take care of so many other things health look at covid situation now so we need so much of investments into health but if the money goes into paying pensions where does the money for health for education come from so that is why it's important and that is why the shift from you know defined benefit to a defined contribution scheme so ma'am do you think this has any correlation with the healthcare system of our country like uh, the healthcare system of our country was into a development stage till now but as far as the covid pandemic is concerned there have been some ups and downs and it's not able to cope up with the situation that is going on no i will not say this has directly you uh, one must understand that the fiscal resources of a developing country are limited and we are a huge population we are a population of 1.4 billion building up a healthcare system of 1.4 billion is not a joke it's it's really an onerous task and even the healthcare systems of europe which are one of the best in the world collapsed so we must understand that one uh, the in a country the government has to take care of the healthcare system they have to take care of you know the education of the system and so many other social needs so if the fiscal revenue is diverted in paying let's say interest or let's say paying pensions so naturally because there is an opportunity cost to that they they are they cannot be done simultaneously effectively right so you have to bring down what is the unproductive expenditure through the fiscal so this is only payouts you are not getting back anything in return in case of defined benefit scheme right so you are just taking the tax money and paying the pensions however if you move towards a defined contribution scheme it is the individual and the employer slowly built up the pension assets which are diverted into the economy they may be going even into healthcare why not they may be going into infrastructure they may be going to uh, industries development any kind of development so when you are building up when you are moving away from a defined benefit to a defined contribution scheme you are building those pension assets which help in the growth of the economy okay ma'am so how far behind is india as compared to other countries in its contribution to pension funds and what are the forthcoming measures that it must take now yeah 
again a good question see when you have to see or measure the pension sector as such there could be so many parameters one of the parameters is how much of the workforce is actually covered by any kind of a pension scheme so we have 1.4 billion of a population and around 45 to 50 crores would be the working age population right so they are the potential subscribers to pension funds and how many of us are actually covered by any kind of a pension scheme pension when you think of pension what do you think of is regular income for the government servants have you thought of pension a farmer doesn't think of a pension he thinks that my son is there and he will probably you know take care of me in my old age he never thinks of pension but i think there is a time now when everybody every working population thinks of pension and in india what is happening is because of the huge population and the second aspect that we have a very big unorganized sector so people who are in the organized sector through their employers are enrolled into some kind of a pension system whether it is through the government or through the epfo or through any insurance scheme or whatever superannuation funds so they are enrolled into the pension sector however you look at the unorganized sector which constitute 85% of the working age population they don't have any pension schemes so they are the people that we have to now look forward to and cover them so that is why we have schemes like apy the atal pension yojana where you try to cover people who are in the unorganized sector so there is a long way to go there so that is one of the parameters how much of the workforce is covered and the potential is huge we i'll say around 15 to 20% uh we have around 4.25 crores people in nps and if you say around 50 uh around 50 crore population is there then nps is covering around 9 to 10% of the population right and then there is the epfo and then there is there are other schemes so i'll say around 15 to 20% is covered and we have a huge gap right now. that is one second is how much of pension assets have you built up that is the second parameter you can judge by so how much pension assets have you built up so in case of developing countries you know there are if you look at the oecd numbers oecd countries 37 countries were studied in that eight countries have pension assets that are more than 100% of their gdp topper being the denmark with 220% Netherlands has 194%, Iceland has 178%. And even South Africa has 95% of the GDP as pension assets. So that that is the second criteria. In India I think it would be just into double figures. Uh, the exact figures may not be available because data certainly has to be built up for the pension sector which is still nascent and growing. but it must be somewhere between 10 to 20%. So long way to go there. But as we have started if the contribution rates are sustained over a period of time definitely definitely we can build a big corpus nps today has around 6 trillion of pension assets so that has been built in how much it started in 2004 so around 15 16 years uh definitely ma'am uh moving to the next question uh ma'am as you have mentioned in your speeches before that i have heard Uh, why is there such a paradigm shift occurring from the defined benefit scheme to the defined contribution scheme and what are its implication for the indian economy right 
So what is a defined benefit scheme? Defined benefit means your benefit is defined. What will you get out of that pension? So when you retire, what are you getting? So in case of government servants, it is generally tied to your last income at the time of retirement. So somewhere around 50% maybe, whatever the number could be. So your benefit is defined and you will keep getting that amount till the time you are alive or your spouse is alive after you. So that is defined benefit. Now, in this case, one has to understand that this is not funded. People are taxed in the budget. Then out of that, money is taken to pay the pension. There is no asset behind it. Now, how long can that continue? We just discussed PR. Government has lot many responsibilities, social responsibilities. So they have to have that money to divert to education and health and social sectors. So this was creating a lot of burden on the fiscal. So in 2004, after a lot of committees like the Bhattacharya committee and the OSS committee recommended that we shift to a defined contribution scheme. Now, what does that mean? That the employer and the employee contribute towards their pension. So they, that will be put into their own account. They have, we have in NPS what is called as an individual account or the PRAN. So the money goes into their individual account. It is uh, invested by the pension fund managers. It grows over the years and there is a disciplined way of saving also. And hence the contribution is defined. How is it defined? It was earlier, it was 10% of the uh, basic pay, pay plus DA from the employer and 10% of the basic pay plus DA from the employee. Later now, it has been raised to 14% for the central government employees. So the contribution is defined and your returns will be generated as per market and then you will get the uh, corpus at the end of your uh, productive life cycle. So that is what is defined contribution scheme. So you have assets that are building up now for the economy. So that's the benefit which can be used for various sectors and then the fiscal burden is lowered. Yes, ma'am. So, uh, how will this pool of assets exactly increase the investment in pension funds and then lead to economic growth and, as you said, fiscal expansion? Can you just elaborate on that? Yeah, it, in fact, uh, the fiscal burden will go down when there is uh, uh, when you build up the pension assets because you're no longer dependent upon the budget to give out the pensions. Once the salary is paid and the pen contribution is paid, the part of the government is over. So now they have to be invested and returns have to be generated. Now, as these are, you know, collected and pooled, now what do the pension funds do with these funds? They have to invest and generate returns. So what they do is basically they invest it into various asset classes. So whether it is equity, corporate bond, government securities, and we also have what are called the AIFs, alternative investment funds. So they get invested into these funds. So what happens is they help in the growth of the economy because you're collecting the small savings, remember, from the people, from so many people. Like I said, we have 4.25 uh, crores of subscribers. So everybody is saving a bit every month or in a periodical manner and you're collecting it. And one must also remember the psychological behavior that the saving for pension generally comes last in the laundry list. We think of immediate consumption, people like youngsters would think of a phone first rather than investing in a pension fund, right? So uh, generally you think uh, some somebody in 30s or 40s or 50s would think of their children's education first. 
their loan uh, the house first right so generally when you're saving for pensions it is an incremental saving that happens so the saving in the economy goes up and it said that 1% increase in the pension assets can even lead to increase of 4 to 5% in the gdp there are some studies which say that so you're diverting the small savings into the productive sectors of the economy that is one secondly when pension funds enter the market they reduce the volatility in the market how see mutual funds you must have uh, if you read the newspaper you know there are fii's that are investing into it there is uh, maybe speculative investments you know all those things happen in the equity market so when the market goes down people pull out the money all these volatilities do happen in the equity funds in pensions that is not the case it is stabilizing every month there has to be a consistent flow into the equities or whatever market every month it will flow in whether the market is going up or down consistently you are you know putting in money into that so bringing a stability into the market so that is another good feature of pension funds number 3 because they have a long tenure they have a very good match with infrastructure see infrastructure require long term funds so pension funds are very good for infrastructure in that way provided that the infrastructure project is good and they are meeting that credit rating fourthly they deepen the corporate market and the equity market now corporate market because they, the demand for the corporate bonds goes up the demand for uh, equity goes up and then you have proxy uh, you know these pension funds also attend all those meetings agms and everything and also keep a keen eye on the companies they are investing in so the corporate governance standards standards go up you know the transparency goes up so qualitatively and quantitatively the pension funds generally bring about a good change in the economy its growth qualitatively as well as quantitatively the the in fact the development of the pension funds signals the deepening and broadening of financial markets in any country uh moving on to the next question ma'am a lot of people have this doubt so what is the difference exactly between ppf and the nps national pension scheme the difference between the ppf and nps a very valid question because again you would feel that ppf is for your uh, long term saving yeah so ppf is there for 15 years that's very right and you can even extend it beyond that and it has been around for a lot many years so ppf is considered to be one of the instrument of retirement savings so uh, and and then you get a fixed return on it so that is also what pulls people towards ppf because you're getting a fixed fixed return now nps has a market linked return so whatever the market is able to generate you give those returns but if you look at historically while uh, theoretically on paper yes it would be market linked but actually nps has delivered always delivered more returns than ppf because there is investment in equity and other asset classes so the average return has been till now around 10% here i think ppf is giving somewhere around 7% now so you have a difference of 3% right now so the returns are different of course the uh, that is market linked and this is uh, 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 what is a fixed return that is one then the other difference is when you draw out the money on maturity what you get is a lump sum in case of ppf however in case of nps what you get is partial lump sum and the other has to go into annuity you have to mandatorily annuitize 40% so your future in that respect becomes uh, 
what you say uh, safe because generally hum- uh, behaviorally if you think uh, any human person has a myopic vision we tend to spend the money which we get in lump sum right so he might use it in another next 5 7 8 10 years but then you as we just saw you have to live for next 30 40 years after your retirement right so you would like to have regular income after your retirement so that way nps uh, is a retirement product then tax benefits also uh, ppf is triply yes uh, there is no tax at any point of time nps after a lot of uh, discussion with the government and all has also become triply now so you don't have to pay tax at any of the points except when you get annuity like a normal salary you have to pay uh, uh, what do you say in uh, tax on it but as per your income slab but that happens with any kind of pension that's not just true of nps so it is also triply there is no tax involved then nps has another additional benefit of having tier 2 account so you can save your extra money there and get you know take it out whenever you want to so you are getting the returns of the market and then you have the benefit of keeping it whenever you have surplus money so i think uh, both the purposes of both this thing are different but you want to go return wise and if you want to save for uh, you know retirement i think nps can be preferred right ma'am so how can this pool of pension funds actually develop a more robust investment cult because as you said especially among the self employed population the cult of investment is very rare yeah very good question i think uh, policy makers have been uh, thinking about this for a while now how to go about having a pension for everybody including the people in the unorganized sector and self employed even the doctors the engineer uh, you know doctors lawyers and uh, shopkeepers traders so they are all self employed how to have a pension account for them that has been a uh, you know matter of concern so there are again behaviorally there are two or three ways in which this can be done one is the uh, what is called as a nudge you nudge them to do it how do you nudge them you give them some extra benefit for example when we introduced nps light or apy we said if you contribute 1000 the government will also contribute 1000 see the return becomes double in one year 1000 you are getting 1000 over and above it then the government said will guarantee you the benefits also in a defined contribution the benefits are not guaranteed but the government said will guarantee you the benefits also so it's a kind of a hybrid scheme so you nudge people to invest into pensions that is one second there is what is called as auto enrollment again what you use is psychology that a person by uh nature has a lot of inertia with respect to financial products so what they do is they uh, in new zealand it is followed and it's also being done in uk so what they do is you automatically enroll people who are employed into that system with a with an option to opt out so now being having an inertia about financial products maybe because of a little less financial literacy also you keep sticking around with the system right so you are automatically into the auto enrollment uk has a very nice system in which because they are a small country and have well developed systems and platforms there if uh, i was told that if uh, you know a person employs a nanny also for their child 
then that nanny is also to be enrolled by the employer for a pension system. So everybody will have a, a pension account. So that is how it has to be done. So some way has here, I think we still need to develop those systems because bringing 50 crore people onto that system. But now with things like, you know, Aadhaar and uh, a, a account with everybody, maybe we'll be able to see some progress in that direction also. Definitely, uh, ma'am, the government is also nudging people towards mutual funds and uh, the Chandan Yojana and also hopefully we'll see more pension funds and accounts in the Absolutely. coming years. In case of Jandhan, in fact, APY is that part of Trinity, no? those three three Jandhan things, schemes that were launched. One was for banking, the other for insurance, and the third was APY for pension. Okay. Three, three, three parts to it, actually. Uh, so, uh, ma'am, you know, uh, states like Madhya Pradesh and Jammu and Kashmir have recently promised additional pension benefits to citizens affected by COVID-19 pandemic. So, do you think that this is a step in the right direction, especially after the this disastrous second wave? Absolutely, absolutely. See, the government has to treat different people with different yardsticks. So, there will be people who are at the bottom of the pyramid, who who are not even able to sustain themselves, not not able to you know earn for themselves. Uh, so, people uh, government has to have some schemes where even if they are not contributing, they have to provide for them through the budget. So government do have schemes like IGNOPS or the kind of schemes that are just, uh, you know, offered by Madhya Pradesh and Chhattisgarh and even other states where people, uh, I think in case in some of the states, what they've done is children who have lost parents, both the parents, they're ensuring that, yeah. you know, the education is provided for or pension is given so that they're able to sustain themselves. So I think that has to be done. So there are two prongs to it. One is you give them the money uh, when you know they cannot, they are not even capable of earning enough to consume a day to day. Mm -hmm. Second is trying to build up through contributions from the uh, subscribers. So both have to run simultaneously. You cannot say, you know, uh, so people who are able to contribute, they should be encouraged to join a pension system and people who are still below the poverty line BPL, bottom of the pyramid, they have to be helped out by the government, yes. Yes, ma'am. So, do you think uh, right now what the need of the R is providing people with additional benefits or like equipping them with additional skills so that they can revive their economic growth after this pandemic? Yeah, I think uh, both of them are important. So, for example, we just saw that children who have lost both the parents, they cannot be expected to earn for themselves right now. So, they are the people who would need help from the government. They would need assistance from the government. So, there this strategy is fine. But people, let's say, who, have, who are above 18 years of age are healthy. So, they need to be equipped. They need to be skilled so that they are not just able to earn for themselves but for the family. And if they start earning adequately and are able to cross that BPL line, they are also able to save for their retirement. So I think it has to be a two-pronged strategy depending upon the financial situation of an individual. I think that they will have to be uh, dealt with by the government. 
Right, ma'am. Correctly said. So, lastly, ma'am, what would be one piece of advice that you would like to give to young students who are listening to our podcast and who want to pursue a career in economics, finance, or the government services? So, you're all young minds. <laughs> it's generally believed in Delhi University that people who go into economics are, you know, some of the people, brightest minds go into economics and then finance and Indian services. So very bright minds are planning to go into the services. And you must understand that you will be at places where you can influence public policy. So some of you may go on to become maybe the finance minister. Some of may become uh, maybe uh, civil servants at the highest level, secretary of finance, or some of you may join the development authority uh, organizations like the World Bank, the IMF. We have people from India who are at the highest level at these places. So some of you may be becoming entrepreneurs. Who knows? So some of you may be joining as CEOs of some companies, right? So you all have a bright future. What I would say is there are, I think, four cues which I think makes a person successful. And successful does not generally just mean, uh, mean making money. Here, I would like always to quote three idiots which says, Kabil bano. So learn first, money will flow, money will flow, comforts will flow. So the four cues I was talking of was, first is of course EQ, the emotional, uh, the emotional quotient, IQ, the intelligent quotient, but besides this, the diligent quotient, DQ, is very important. You have to put in hard work and SQ, the social quotient. One cannot be successful unless you know what is going on in the society. So books are very important. But besides the book, interact with people from all spectrums of life. So common man on the street has sometimes more wisdom than, you know, the books. So everybody from intelligentsia to common man, from polity to society to economics, interact with a lot of people, a lot broad spectrum of people. It will help. Because you might be in the public policy domain, it will help you to, you know, develop policies which affect the last man on the street. With this, we come to the end of this podcast. For more episodes, stay tuned to The Bigger Picture and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more updates. Thank you.